0: Americans have some very serious internal decisions to process, said Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He said America faces the truest of tests as government no longer rules in the fear of God. He added that he firmly believes the United States of America has lost sight of our Creator and we're now facing the truest test of all. I sense that we no longer have a just government that rules In the fear of God, he said, there has been a systemic or systematic intentional effort by the state, by academia, and by a select group of wealthy oligarchs to set aside God's law so that it is not the rule of law in America. If this is true, he said, and the piety reflected by many of our religious leadership ranks keep congregations asleep in their pews, we will lose our country as we know it forever. Then he cited Founding Father John Adams, who stated in 1798, Our Constitution is designed for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. America facing the truest of tests, as government no longer rules in the fear of God. I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer, It's a conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms and isn't it interesting that that message of warning should come from a military man, not from a pastor, not from a parachurch leader, but from a military man. He sees what's going on. He's seen it from the Pentagon. He's seen it from the White House. He's seen it everywhere. We no longer operate in the fear of the Lord. So what should we do? What can we do? Is there any hope? And what does this tell us about the times that we're living in? I have in my hands a piece by Terry James, who asks the question, is the time at hand? One can almost physically feel evil's powerful pull at the godly restraints imposed by heaven's love and wisdom. Wickedness exerts its mesmerizing influence on this generation from its high places, inducing an insanity that can only be defined as the reprobate mind those of us of 50 years of age and older, can but blink and wonder at the upside-down world as it continues to descend into madness. Those younger, for the most part, don't seem to notice the deliberate deconstruction. Disdain for human life in the form of abortion. Disregard for formerly moral principles. Marital status means nothing to a growing percentage of America's population. Embrace of homosexuality is now the enlightened view. The norming of same-gender sexual relations has overpowered today's culture in a brief time. Biblical prohibitions are no longer relevant. Welcome of new thought in adult children's sexual relationship is growing reality within progressive ideology such as the North American Man Boy Love Association, NAMBLA, which was not too long ago seen as among the most disgusting and perverted groups now considered acceptable under growingly lenient circumstances. A satanically driven trend that will not be stopped as mankind devolves ever deeper into total depravity. Even public libraries and schools are becoming ever more involved in this movement to bring adults and children together in this unholy way, drag queen story hour in our public libraries. Then the powerful tug of that Luciferian hand, pulling this generation farther from godly restraint, manifests in the arena of commerce as well. The moral society, increasingly marginalized by the wicked focus of earthly financial power, such as Amazon launched its charity program, Amazon Smile, in 2013, but refuses to allow Christian groups, politically conservative groups, groups that stand for the foundational principles of our country and constitutional principles, refuses to allow them to receive a dollar from the so-called charity. But groups such as Planned Parenthood, Black Lives Matter, and the Satanic Temple are all free to collect donations from Amazon's program. It must make them smile. The transgender curriculum is becoming ubiquitous throughout the nation's public school systems. They can be whatever gender they wish. In fact, just today, we received word that the American Medical Association has come out and basically demanded that hospitals no longer include gender specific on a birth certificate and leave that up to the parents to fill in Teachers are told to give fake curriculum to parents who complain of indoctrination. Planned Parenthood sex ed flyer tells 11-year-olds they could have sex as long as the partner isn't older than 13. So the stench of these end times, writes Terry James, must be singeing the nostrils of a holy God. So the question is, is that time at hand? Jesus, at the end of the book of Revelation, said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to what his work shall be. Surely I come quickly. Amen. Is he coming quickly? Was Andre Crouch correct when he penned that song back in the 1970s, Soon and Very Soon, We're Going to See the King? Or the Gaither trio, when they pen the words, the king is coming, the king is coming. Then Jeff Kinley writes a piece, America prepares for the Antichrist. There was a time not too long ago where the subjects discussed today were merely science fiction, like humans and animal DNA mixed together. Weaponized insects pigs with human brains, super soldiers who never get tired. As shocking as these things may sound, they're all signs, he says, of the end times. That God's judgment cannot be far off as we see these bizarre genetic experiments destroy everything God created and called good. And one thing is certain, it's going to get worse and may actually be getting worse for those who have taken the vaccine. Because increasingly it's being revealed even by the not founder, but the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, who has come out twice in the last two weeks and warned the world to be very careful about taking that vaccine because it's not what happens in the next two weeks that he's concerned about. It's what happens in the next few years, five, ten, fifteen years because The mRNA vaccine actually has induced indoors, introduced into your body a whole new artificial system that begins to war against your own system. And where will it end? So he says, please, FDA do not approve this vaccine. This is the inventor, friends. Dr. Maloney, the inventor says do not approve this vaccine. We'll be back. So how do we respond to these introductory pieces, articles written by responsible people who are deeply concerned about the trajectory of uh, American life, American civilization, even that in our churches? What do you make of it when General Flynn comes out and says, you know, what's really missing in our country is the fear of the Lord. Our government is not governing in the fear of God. So how do we respond to that? Is there a response? Indeed, there is, friends. Indeed, there is. It may not seem like the kind of response you want to hear, but there is a response. And I'm going to share that response with you here today on Viewpoint. Have you ever heard the words or maybe said the words, if only, if only I had done this? If only I had not done that. If only I had known this. If only I... If only, if only, if only. Some of the most, history's most repeated and lamentable words. How would things have been different? Would my choices have changed? Could I have been spared calamity? Maybe I would have experienced life-changing prosperity and blessing or healing. More than likely, my decisions would have been different as would my destiny, if only. They're pathetic words, aren't they? If only. They seem to offer no hope. But the issue is, what's on the other side of the word if only? Let's suppose that there is an answer to the if only And if only we would seize that answer, things would begin to change. That's what we're going to talk about here in the balance of the program today. From God's viewpoint, in Psalm 25, verse 14, God says he has a secret. He says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant which by implication means that if you don't fear the Lord, he's not going to reveal his covenant to you. Now that would seem to be a big thing. In fact, it was so big a thing when I was reading through the Psalms and came upon it that it was as if the Holy Spirit shone a laser beam light on that verse, and I could not avoid it. I was focused intensely on that. And as I focused, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Son, that's why your country is in such deep trouble. You no longer fear me. So I was contemplating that, and then he went further, and he said, And son, that's why my church has no power to do anything in your country, because they don't fear the Lord either. I thought, oh my goodness, this is serious. It's so simple in one sense, but it's serious. God made very clear a single condition upon which life-changing, destiny-determining secrets would be revealed, and that is the fear of the Lord. The unfortunate thing is that the term, the fear of the Lord, even the word fear, is not religiously correct anymore when applied to God in our generation. My wife was talking to a woman in a book study, Bible study, one day, and uh, was talking about the fear of the Lord, and the woman just rose up in anger and said, I don't believe in the fear of the Lord. I don't believe we should fear God. I don't believe any of that. Oh, that's the spirit of rising up against God, his character, his fatherhood, his authority. What she was really saying is, I don't like this idea of God being authority. I don't want to know God as Father. I want to know him as Jesus. Or I want to know him, as Catholics would say, I want to know him as Mary. I don't want to know him as God. I don't want to know him as an authority. I don't want to know him even as a father. I want to know him in a nicer, softer way. That's why the feminist movement decided to worship God as a woman, as a mother. This is the spirit of our age, and it's been going back I have watched the trajectory of this now for a good 50, 60 years, and it's now reaching its culmination. So as we're sitting right here, poised on the threshold of the second coming of Christ, doesn't it seem strange that the world, and even professing Christians and their pastors, should be either passively or even aggressively rejecting the very thing that God disclosed is the key to unlock his secret. Well, The interesting thing is that when God declares something a secret, what he's really asking us to do is to seek it out. So if only, if only we were willing to embrace what God said is so fundamental to all of his promises, His promises to us individually, his promises to us as families, his promises to our marriages, his promise to our congregations, and yes, indeed, to our country. So, if God has a secret of such immense value and importance, who would have an interest in counterfeiting it? Who would have an interest in counterfeiting it? Think about that. Now, before we head into this break, I want to make available to you a book that will change your life if, if only you will read it and act upon it. It's called The Secret of the Lord. The hidden truth that will define your destiny. It's a hardbound book. A hardbound $20 book, and it's yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling. The secret of the Lord. The hidden truth that defines your destiny. Now, do you remember what Jesus said concerning the end times there in Luke chapter 21, I believe it is? He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be just before my return. Then he said, also as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be just before my return. So what was it like in the days of Lot? What was it like in the days of Noah? Well, in the days of Noah, men's hearts were evil only continually. The wickedness of their hearts was so great that the imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was evil continually. So God said, enough. This is beyond the pale. I cannot tolerate this as a holy and a righteous God. I'm going to have to remove my human creation from the planet. And so he set a flood. But before he did, he gave a word of promise to Noah. He found a man who was living in the fear of the Lord. He was Deemed to be righteous in his generation. Righteous in his generation. And because of that, God said, Okay, I am going to give hope to the world through Noah. So he said, Build an ark. Build an ark. Did you know that God is saying the same thing to you today and to me? Build an ark. Save your sons and your daughters. Build an ark. So, why would Noah build an ark? Think about this. I mean, he was to bring in two of male and female, of every single animal, and of the clean animals, seven. How was he going to handle all this? And his own family as well. And he didn't even know how long they were going to have to be on. So God, in his mercy... And grace, his enabling power, told Noah what to do. He told him how long to build the boat, how wide, how tall, what materials to use. But why would Noah follow those recommendations or those uh, orders from God? Why would he do that? He'd never seen a flood. He had never even seen rain. It hadn't rained on the earth for over 1,600 years. Why would he do that? There's a simple answer. He feared God. And because he did fear God, unlike the rest of the people in his generation, he walked with God, and God found him to be righteous in his generation. He feared the Lord. What can we learn from that? The number one thing that God is looking for to begin everything else to fulfill his promises and plans and purposes is that we first fear him. Do you know that you will not obey God if you don't fear him? You won't because you will rationalize in your mind well there's no reason for me to do that you'll substitute your own viewpoint your own thoughts your own ideas isn't that exactly what we're doing in our country isn't that exactly what we're doing in our churches that's what spawned the divorce crisis that's what spawned the divorce and remarriage crisis and increasing serial adultery that's what spawned the homosexual movement that's what spawned homosexual marriages That's what spawned transgenderism. That's what's spawning bestiality and pederasty and all these other perversions. That's how it happened. We didn't fear the Lord. We didn't agree with him. We didn't obey him. We were missing the most fundamental element to please God. You will not truly love God unless you first fear him unless you first have an unbelievably awesome respect such that you realize he's God and there ain't none other. That you're not God, he is God, and that means he has a right to tell you, to guide you as to how you should live. That's our problem. That is our number one problem. Did you know that every single one of the promises of God in the scripture, are hinged on the fear of the Lord. You cannot depend upon God to fulfill any of his promises unless you first fear him. And to the extent that you don't, you have compromised your ability to receive the promises. Disobedience reveals your lack of fear of the Lord. Pure and simple. That's why the prophet Samuel said to the first king of Israel, Saul, that God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And yet, believe it or not, the word obey has become the most hated word in the church today. It seemed to be like a four-letter word. So, fear is a four-letter word. We refuse to do what God says to fear him. Which means then we refuse to obey, and then we end up fearing man. God doesn't want us to fear man. He wants us to fear him. And if we would fear him, then he would protect us from the fear of man. Because the fear of man brings a snare. I'm trying to reason out loud with all of us here today. This is very, very serious. The entire nation hinges on whether or not we will accept this and restore the fear of the Lord in the land. Your family, the future of your family depends upon it your congregation, my dear pastor, all of us. If we're on the near edge of the second coming, this is huge. We'll be right back. There is so much more
1: about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. You have a serious enemy. I mean, you have a very serious enemy. But he operates largely in secret, insidiously. He is designed to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he does that through deception. His name is Satan. Formerly referred to as Lucifer, Did you know that the very foundations of the New Age movement is the worship of Lucifer? It is. Lucifer. It's a Luciferian religious focus. So if God has a secret of immense value and importance, who would have the greatest interest in counterfeiting it? Well, it would be his arch enemy, wouldn't it? Satan. So counterfeiting secrets is a serious business. Oh, not just for Satan, but it's become a serious business in world culture and in American culture. It's big business because it's lucrative, very lucrative and successful. So if God has a secret of immense value and importance... Satan would do everything he could to counterfeit it. So, whatever, wherever that which is real exists, that which is false or a pretense of the real is soon going to become available. And that's true for products and for principles, for matters of commerce and conscience, matters of faith, And so we're easily seduced to embrace a counterfeit. It always appears cheaper, more easily obtainable. It gives the aura of feeling like I have the real thing without paying the price. So, you have heard me talk uh, in the past concerning the idea of synthetic authenticity, Back in 2008, Time Magazine had this amazing cover story called 10 Ideas That Are Changing the World, and number seven of those was called Synthetic Authenticity, and a couple of Harvard business gurus were unabashedly declaring that the best strategy for companies is to openly fake it. As a culture, we're clearly we are being seduced to counterfeit that which is real and costly so as to create the perception that we possess the real fascinating concept i think get real by faking it now you may think wow that that's really something the problem is that that is what's happened in the church that's what happened in the culture that's what's happened to christians people desperately desire even pursue the feeling of spirituality while redefining the underlying faith that produces not only a feeling, but the genuine article of faith that requires obedience. And it requires, it begins with the fear of the Lord. But we don't like that. So, first the church growth movement, then the seeker-sensitive movement, now the emerging church movement, has dramatically shifted historical beliefs about life, about God, about the very concept of heaven, hell, holy living, the hope of eternal salvation, and so on. It's like a a huge tectonic shift within American and Western society that God himself has been redefined, reimagined, and even recreated. Such that Time magazine in 1993 said that Americans... The church would never again be the same because Americans were looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. In other words, we didn't fear the God of the Bible. We didn't fear the God of creation. No, we'll recreate our own God, one that we can feel more comfortable with. The problem was not the absence of faith, but the redefining of faith as feelings. a synthetic faith, a counterfeit gospel. And isn't it amazing that that should take place here in the era, on the edge, the near edge of the second coming of Christ, who is coming to judge the world in righteousness. So if indeed, listen, if indeed the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, There is an enemy of your soul who would stop at nothing to deceive you and to destroy your ability to experience God's secret and your ability to experience the fullness of his covenant plan and purposes. Hmm. We need to know more about that, don't we? And you have a secret, a secret enemy. He is actively, though surreptitiously, engaged in what we might call the war of the ages. Satan's archenemy, God's archenemy, his name is Satan, originally called Lucifer, the son of the morning. And he has distorted ever since, seducing humankind away from revering God as creator, what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. And human history is the unfolding story of this war of the ages for mankind's allegiance, including yours. This is a big deal. Most every Christian knows the passage that says that the secret of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. If we're missing the secret, if we're missing the fear of the Lord, if we're missing the fear of the Lord, which is the foundation for wisdom, then what's happened to our wisdom? You see, these things aren't that difficult to understand, but we have to be willing to think about them. We have to be willing to process them in our minds and in our hearts. And the entire future of our country, in fact, the whole Western world is teetering on the cusp of this forgotten truth, the secret of the Lord. So America's hope, we open the program. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn said, The problem is we've abandoned the fear of the Lord in our country, in our government. That's why things are going crazy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning, not the end, the beginning. But if we have abandoned progressively the fear of the Lord, we should not be at all surprised that wisdom has been abandoning us and we are left to our own devices. That's what's happened. So America's only hope rests on recovering a secret, God's secret. For the balance of the program here today, we want to talk about recovering that. How about you? Do you really live in the fear of the Lord? If you don't, you know you won't even expect to be under his judgment. Much of the teaching in the church today and many pastors is to try to take away the whole idea that there is a judgment coming. Why? Because they're trying to market the gospel. They really don't want you to fear God. They really don't want you to feel like you have to obey. So now they call that legalism. The very thing that Jesus said was the number one thing to please him, that is obedience, now is called legalism, and you should run from it. Wow. No man or woman is ever going to earn the blessings of God. God doesn't have any entitlement programs. However, he does expect We have to begin our lives, and the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Did you know that? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you don't hate evil, I didn't say people, I said evil. God makes no promise of blessing, success, prosperity, or even salvation to those who do not truly fear him. The fear of the Lord is the foundation, yes, even for salvation itself. You know why? Because if you don't believe you're a sinner under judgment, under a death penalty from a holy God, why in the world would you ever repent? Why would you do that? And so much of what happens, supposedly, people going forward in our churches today has nothing whatsoever to do with repenting, has nothing so much to do with facing sin and confessing sin before God, but rather going forward to be healed of the consequences of your sin. That's what's being promoted all over the country and has been for the past forty years increasingly so even perhaps even unwittingly within our churches we have fallen into the trap of actually destroying the very thing that's the foundation of wisdom and of God's blessing and direction don't you think we really need that in these times? Oh, I think we do, if Jesus is coming soon. Get a copy of my book, The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny. It's a hardbound book, $20 book, yours for only $15, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. The box seven zero eight seven nine, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. We'll be right back.
1: But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. Today we're talking about recovering the essential secret that alone will begin to bring the kind of change that we say that we want in America. For 40 years now, we've heard people praying for revival. We've had national days of prayer, but we really haven't called the people to repent for their abandonment of the fear of the Lord. Many times here on this program, I have brought this up, having asked many Christian leaders, when was the last time you heard the phrase, the fear of the Lord? Have you heard it within the last 30 years? And not one of them could remember hearing that phrase in the past 30 years. Now, why is that? Think about it. During the entire period of our country, up until about 50 years ago, the phrase, a God-fearing man, was one of the most common phrases to be heard on the lips of Americans, particularly describing someone who was trustworthy, someone uh, who's... Morality and word could be depended upon a God fearing man. Because we have lost the fear of the Lord, in fact, we haven't just lost it, we've abandoned it purposely. And our churches have been complicit in it in order to try to market a gospel. to fickle people who wanted only to live by their feelings and not by faith. It brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. I've, I've lived through it. I've watched it happen from coast to coast. I've been in those congregations, in those denominations from coast to coast. I have a visceral understanding of what has happened. I've spoken in many of these churches. I know what is happening, and has been happening, and how it has been happening. And it's happened progressively. But actually, the progressive nature of it has actually been digressive. In other words, it has increasingly separated us from God's blessing. It's painful to watch it, but there is hope. The hope, though, is based upon our willingness to restore the fear of the Lord in our lives. In fact, it's America's only hope. The real issue in understanding the fear of the Lord is authority. That's another word we don't like anymore. We like the word authenticity, but we don't like the word authority. Yet you can't have a fully authentic faith unless you have come under God's authority and obey him. And you won't do that if you don't live in the fear of the Lord. If we want to understand and unveil the secret of the Lord, we have to kind of, I guess you've in the gut, come to grips with his unassailable authority. Oftentimes, when I speak in a congregation, when I'm given that opportunity, I will say, God is God. God is God. God is God. And that's what God has been trying to say. He's been trying to say it. He's, he said it to Israel over and over and over again in the Old Testament, and they never could get the message. Refused. Hardened their hearts. Stiffened their necks. He may be God, but I'm going to be Lord. And that's the way we live. So, the fear of the Lord is directly hinged to the holiness of God's authority. If we don't understand that deeply, deep in our hearts, we'll never truly trust nor operate in the blessings that flow from the fear of the Lord. It's going to remain a secret. And you'll wonder, you'll see it working in other people's lives but not in yours, and you'll think, oh, they're just more spiritual. Well, no, they're just more obedient. They're more willing to walk with the Lord according to his expectations and not their own. Do you remember the fellow, the secular observer Alexis de Tocqueville who came over here in 1830 to discover what it was that made America great? He uh, noticed that In the United States the sovereign authority is religious and because of that he said hypocrisy would have to be common but there's no country in the world where the Christian religion retains a greater influence over the souls of men than in America and he said there could be no greater proof of its utility that is its practical application and its conformity to human nature than that its influence is powerfully felt over the most enlightened and free nation of the earth What he's really saying is that the reason freedom is so manifested in the United States of America is because of the fear of the Lord. He goes on to say, Christianity, therefore, reigns without obstacle by universal consent the consequence that every principle of the moral world is fixed and determined. It's not subject to feelings. He said, despotism may be governed without faith, but liberty cannot. So it was not until I went into the churches of America, he said, and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness, that I understood the secret of her genius and power, which is exactly what the psalmist said. Righteousness, Or the writer of Proverbs, he said, righteousness alone exalts a nation, but sin is the reproach to any people. What is righteousness? Righteousness is aligning yourself with the word, the will, and the ways of God as creator because you have the utmost respect and fear of the Lord governing your life. That you would not even think of deciding other than his word, his will, and his ways because you realize he is God and you're not. But right now, Anarchy is reigning in America in the mind and heart of America just as it was in France in 1830 and metastasized throughout all of Europe. And now those rebellious attitudes of the so-called Enlightenment have come home to roost in America. We're seeing it just most unbelievably manifested in egregious, open, notorious, flagrant, flaunting that we do not fear God. Under the current administration, it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and now we're seeing it in just open and notorious rebellion. So America now teeters precariously, I would say, on the precipice of repudiating the fear of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is nearly lost. And that's why we have such daunting challenges for peace and security. The secret of the Lord has been sacrificed on the altar of self-exaltation. Righteousness has been repudiated in favor of my rights. And the secret has fallen on hard times and sin is raising supreme. So restoring the fear of the Lord is America's only hope. And it has to begin in your house and mine. They say all politics is local, and so is all true faith. If indeed, as Lincoln said, America is the last best hope of earth, America provides no hope if we the people don't recover and rejoice in the fear of the Lord. That will reveal genuine revival. You don't pray for revival in the abstract. It's not some free-floating thing out there in the wild blue yonder. No. It has definition. Revival is manifested in the restoration of the fear of the Lord as the foundation, the rebuilding of the foundations of faith and freedom. It's the fulcrum. Authority is the fulcrum of our faith in the God who made and preserved us a nation. We will not truly believe a God we do not perceive as having all authority in heaven and earth, especially in our own lives. We cannot truly trust any earthly power or God in heaven if we don't truly believe in the legitimacy of his purported authority. And we won't willingly obey one we do not trust. And neither will we willingly obey one we do not perceive having the requisite authority to command or expect our obedience. So, as you can see, the future of America, and of any people or nation, is predicated on discovering and recovering the secret of the Lord. Only to such a people, a person or a nation or a family or a congregation, who genuinely fear the Lord God of creation, will God truly reveal and renew his covenant. And the choice is ours. The choice is ours. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be just before my second coming. What was it like in the days of Lot? Well, We know about all the homosexuality and all of that raging sodomy that was going on there and their lack of hospitality and so on. We know about that. That's where we get the word sodomy, from Sodom. That's where the word Sodom gets its name because of sodomy. In any event, God, in his mercy, pulled out a fellow by the name of Lot, sent angels, two angels in there to deliver him and his family. But interestingly, the husbands of his two daughters refused to be delivered. They didn't fear the Lord. In fact, Lot barely got delivered, as he, he had already pitched his tent towards Sodom, like so many American Christians, pitching their tents towards Sodom. They get as close as they can to unrighteousness and still claim to be living in the fear of the Lord. I hope that's not you. So the angel takes Lot and his daughters and his wife. The husbands of the daughters are left behind. They refuse to come. They're mocking. And as they come out, the angel tells them, do not look back. Do not look back. Why? Because if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God, the Bible says. No man who puts his uh, shoulder to the plow and looks back is worthy to be my disciple, Jesus said. This is a time, friends, when we can do only one thing, and that is look forward in the fear of the Lord. If you feel, realize that you have not been living in that fashion, that you've been living under your own authority and not God's authority, it's time to confess it and repent. You make the choice, and God will help you make the change. As for Lot and his family, his wife turned back. Don't let it happen to you, for she became a pillar of salt. Don't let that happen to you. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things that are ahead. Let's press toward the mark, friends, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, beginning with restoring the fear of the Lord in our lives. Get a copy of the book, The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny. $15 will put this $20 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and please consider becoming a partner as we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, even today.
1: You've been listening to
0: Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.